Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Satan desires to use pressure to break your soul. And today's message is called, You Won't Break My Soul. Come on, say, you won't break my soul. Come on, say it again. Say, you won't break my soul. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. Jesus overcame all the pressure. And so let's look at how he did it so we can learn how we're supposed to do it. Because the time is over for just going through stuff. You know, we always going through stuff, and you have nothing to show for what you went through. Well, I'm going through. Well, where are you going to go to the other side? See, the thing is, you don't have to just keep going through. You can get on the other side and actually be refreshed. You can actually get on the other side and get some recompense. You can actually get on the side and have fresh revelation, fresh confidence, and a fresh anointing. It's time out just going through. It's time to go through, maintain victory, and get paid on the other side. Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 1. The enemy desires to break your soul. He desires to put pressure on you, to break you, to stop you, to eradicate the production of the word in your life. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Could we say that's pressure? Some of you are not even outdoors people, so you go outside more than an hour and say, well, that's some pressure. Did you see that mosquito? It's the size of Texas. That's enough pressure for my life. Imagine being in the wilderness for 40 days. You know, Mark says that he was there with the wild animals. Now, we have some wild animals here in Georgia, but it's different with wild animals in the Middle East. So he's in the wilderness. He's fasting. Some of us, three hours is as most we can go without food. Because if you don't eat, people will know there's a different side of you. It's called being hangry. Anybody get hangry around here? I'm just going to testify that it's me too. But 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness and being tempted by the devil. How many will call that pressure? Let's look at some of this pressure. And notice the devil came after him when he was hungry. That's just not even fair. See, the enemy seeks to attack at times when it's not fair. And when it's, when it's the last thing you need. How many of you have ever been there? This is the last thing I needed today. That's where the enemy wants to attack. And notice his attack. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, this is a very simple temptation. Remember, temptation is not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in and act on the temptation. And for it to be a temptation, it had to be valid. Why? Well, why is he fasting? The Lord told him to. And so to violate the instructions of the Lord would to be eat the bread. Right? But notice what Satan attached to this temptation. 
if you are really who you say you are, do this. What is this? The pressure to prove it. Say the pressure to prove it. Satan will always try to make you prove who you really are. Not to him, but to yourself. And I'm not talking about in a healthy way of you seeing who you really are in Christ. But you trapped in your mind always thinking, well, I have to do this. I have to do that. Because if I don't do this, what is that? It's a mental trap. Because if he can get you to do that, you'll have an identity crisis. That if you have one off day, you don't realize who you are anymore. That now you're identifying by the work of your hands, not who God has said you are. It's the pressure to prove it. He's attacking his identity. If you really are who you say you are, prove it. And when did God tell you to prove anything to the devil? But this is still pressure. Notice what it says next. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. That's true. He had all the kingdoms of the world. Why? When Satan sinned, he turned it over to Satan. When Adam sinned, he turned it over to Satan. That's why 2 Corinthians 4.4 calls Satan the God of this world, the God of this world's systems. So he had all the kingdoms and the glory, and he could have turned it over. Notice it keeps going on and says, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Notice this is a temptation. What is this? We know why Jesus come, right? We know the end of the story will be that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So what is this? An temptation or pressure to yield to ungodly ways to get your goals. The pressure of ungodly shortcuts. The pressure to go after the ways of wickedness to get what you really want. Pressure. It's a temptation because this way is the easy way. It's wrong, but it's easy. Because we know what Jesus is going to have to go through to get what he's after. And Satan's trying to offer him another alternative. But just because it's easy doesn't mean it's right. It's pressure. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem to set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, once again going after identity, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, Satan knows the Bible too. He was there when it was written. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, with this temptation, once again, it's going after identity, but it's also the pressure to prove it to people. Some scholars believe that at that time, people believed that the Messiah would suddenly show up in the temple. And Satan is trying to pressure Jesus, well, do it. Jump down. 
God ain't going to let anything happen to you. Of course the angels are going to catch you. And all of a sudden, everybody knows you are who you say you are. It's the pressure to prove it to people in an ungodly way. It's pressure. And Jesus responds, as he does every time, with the word. If you want to overcome the pressures of the enemy to make you prove it or to make you go after ungodly ways, you're going to have to know the word of God for yourself. You're going to have to know it well enough that you can reply, it is written. Because if you can memorize your favorite song, Let's not even talk about old favorite songs. Let's talk about whatever is your favorite summer song, your summer bop right now. If you could have that memorized and it's only been out a month or so, you can memorize some scripture. Because if you don't know what is written, you'll follow anyone else. You know, people quote the Bible all the time and then it's not actually the Bible. Come on, they quote Benjamin Franklin, they thought it was the Bible. You have to know the Word of God for yourself. That means you need to open the Bible more than just on Sundays if you show up. You need to be in the Bible all the time, especially the letters, because the letters apply to you. When you read through Romans and Revelation, Jesus is writing to churches through his apostles. He's talking to churches. He's talking to people just like you. And when he's talking to them, well, no, Ephesians was one of the better churches. And he still wrote, stop lying, stop cussing, stop stealing. And that was one of the better churches. To Corinth, he wrote a whole lot of stuff. Why is 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians? You're going to have to get in the Bible for yourself. You're going to have to read it for yourself. And for the young ones in here, the ones who will listen later, you're going to have to read it whether your parents ask you to read it or not. Because God has to be your God, not your parents' God. Notice what the scripture says next. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Notice that. He left for a season. He's looking for another opportune time. Remember, he has a strategy. He pays attention. You know, one of the things with how the devil operates, he uses familiar spirits. Why are they familiar? They've been watching your family for generations. So, well, this trapped up your great-grandpa, your grandpa, and your daddy. This messed with your grandma, your great-grandma. Let's see if it messes with you, too. And the thing is, life is full of pressure, and life is full of tests. But the thing is, dealing with those familiar spirits, if you beat it, you're passing along victory to your children, not another challenge. See, sometimes generational curses are just generational patterns. We say, well, this, my family has this disease. Everybody has it by the time they hit 40. Well, maybe it's because everybody's eating the same food. And you know better. And you have access to resources so you can do better. Yeah, but because it tastes good, you keep eating it. 
And now you have the same health challenges as generations before who didn't have access to what you have access to. That ain't the devil. It's you. But if you would make a decision and say, hey, that ends here, you pass down to those who come after you a healthy way of living. Same thing with finances. Works the same way. You may come from people who didn't have much financial education, didn't know what to do, but you know better. So instead of, you know, the old song, Papa was a Rolling Stone, all he left us was alone, <laughs> you can follow the scriptural example of living an inheritance for your children's children. But you're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to make a decision, you know what, I'm going to put that credit card away. You know what, I'm going to save. Not for a rainy day, but for an investment. I'm going to pay some stuff off. You're going to have to have a plan to do that. There are pressures in this life that are not always caused by the devil. There's some pressures in this life that's caused by you. and the decisions you've made. And so on top of the pressures of the enemy and the pressures of life, that's enough pressure. Don't add to the pressure of your life by poor decisions. You need to operate by the wisdom of God. And there are times you just need to pause before you make a decision, especially when you have pressure to make a decision. When there's a whole bunch of pressure, pause, step back. Because if you yield to the pressure, how many know under pressure you can make stupid decisions? How many know if you're really emotional, you can make some stupid decisions that you might have to pay for for the next five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25, 30? Pause, step back, and consult your strategist, the Holy Spirit, your counselor. Sir, what should I do about this? Sir, how should I handle it? When you step back, do you actually have peace about that decision? Or are you anxious because of the pressure? Don't give in to the pressure. Say, don't give in to the pressure. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you guys can bring out my props. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because you know what happened after Jesus beat this pressure and this temptation? It says, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. He returned in even more power. You can go through a time of testing and a time of pressure and leave with a fresh anointing. And when it says that, Satan looked for a more opportune time. This lets you know that Jesus faced pressure and temptation and testing throughout his life. It doesn't record all the pressure. We see some of the pressure listed in the Gospels. But no, the enemy was always trying to stop him, always trying to get in. That's why he was delighted when he finally found an inroad through Judas. He was always trying to pressure Jesus. Notice what it says, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13, and we'll read it from the New Living Translation. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. 
The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Pause and think about that. Because what the enemy will always have you do is, well, nobody knows the trouble you've seen. It's only you. Nobody else has gone through this. And all of human history and all the billions of people on the planet, it's only you. Now, that's a lie. But you know why you would think it's only you? Because you haven't talked to anybody. You haven't opened up to anybody. You're not living in community. This faith life is not supposed to be by yourself. You're supposed to have a community. See, because some of you think, you know, like, oh, I've never, you know, issues you're dealing with your kids. Oh, no one else has dealt with this before. There's other parents in this church who have before. Who just encourage you, it's a phase. You'll be okay. Just keep going. You're not going to lose your mind. You're doing good. Some of you dealing with mom guilt. If you actually talk to some other moms, you'd be encouraged. But it's in community. Not by yourself. Because even Jesus, he knew how to step back, but he didn't do life by himself. He did life in community. You see the 12 disciples, who he also called his friends, they were with him constantly. But there are also, when he looked, there was a whole crew that traveled with Jesus on a regular basis. Luke 8 lists some of their names. But also on top of that, it says that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were his friends. They weren't the ones who traveled with him all the time, but they were still his friends. Jesus, the Son of God, still had time to have relationships while he was on mission. If Jesus can do it, what's your excuse? The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Nothing can show up in your life that you can't handle. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If it shows up, you can handle it. Say, if it shows up, I can handle it. So that means our approach to life has to be different. And I was using this example. I had this in my trunk, and the guys who were helping me out proved the example. And so we have this backpack here since we're doing back to school Sunday. And we have this weight here. And so when you approach a weight, you're expecting to exercise. Your mentality in lifting this weight is different than lifting the backpack. You know if you're lifting the weight, you're going to do a curl. You're going to do something. You know your approach to this weight is going to be different, right? When you pick up this backpack, which represents just daily life, you carry this every day at school. Your approach is different. How you pick it up is different. But this weighs the same as that. See, there are some things. We have different approaches to life. Well, this, this is a big problem. This is a big temptation. This is the big pressure. So let me get on my confessions. Let me pray a little bit more. Let me get a prayer partner. Let me talk to somebody. But this everyday stuff, I'm just going to carry it around like it's nothing. So I'm carrying around extra weight, carrying around extra pressure, and depending on how I deal with the stuff in life, I'm adding to this bag. So now I am keep walking around 
wondering why I have back problems, wondering why everything's happening in my life, going, oh, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I don't know if I can handle one more thing. I encourage you to look what's on your shoulder, what's on your back. How are you responding every day to the pressures of life? Not just the big pressures, the small ones, the small anxieties, the small stresses, the small tests, the small pressures. How are you responding? Because some of us just ignore it. But how many know you can ignore a lot of stuff and still carry a lot of stuff? Are you dealing with it correctly? Or are you just walking around carrying this pressure? Go with me to Hebrews 4. Let's look at this for a second. Because we see that Jesus was constantly under pressure, constantly tempted. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4 verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession to the words that we've been saying that we believe, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Say, Jesus gets it. But was in all points, say all points, tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted in all points. We just have a few of the temptations recorded. But throughout his life, Satan threw everything he had at him. Which means if you can tempt it, be tempted by it, Jesus was already tempted by it and won. If you can be tempted by it, Jesus was already tempted by it and he won. Yet without sin. So what do we do? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The New Living Translation says in verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So one of the things you have to do we're dealing with the pressures of everyday life, not the big things, the everyday things. It's actually talk to your high priest about it in the moment. Because we've been talking about this personal relationship with Jesus. And some of you like to talk to Jesus in King James English. If that's how you speak, rock it, man. Just rock it. But most of you don't talk like that. You need to talk to Jesus when you're ticked off. So I'm going to calm down, then pray. No, it's better that you talk to Jesus right now before the rest of us feel your wrath. Just be honest with him. Jesus, I am mad. I'm ticked off. This and this, this, that, this, that, and the other. Tell him. You really think you're surprising him? He knows you better than you know you. Talk to him. Unpack that pressure. Because if you don't, you're just going to carry this around. Talk to your high priest about it. Go boldly to the throne of grace so that you can receive mercy and grace to help in your time of need. The time of need is not just on the big things. The time of need is every single 
day. We have a Savior. Yes, he saves us from the big things, but also the small things. But have you just let him save you from the big things and say, well, I can carry the small things? What are you carrying that Jesus says, please give it to me? Remember the scripture says, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. What are you carrying that Jesus has asked for? Because if you're carrying it and you're not supposed to, you will break down your body and you will break your soul. Satan is always trying to get you to carry stuff you ain't supposed to carry. Because if he can get you to carry enough things, he can add a burden and he can add a yoke. And you just walk around and say, well, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you ain't suffering for Jesus. You're suffering because you ain't giving Jesus your stuff. Well, I'm going through. Yeah, you're going through because you ain't giving Jesus your stuff. And instead of turning to him, you turn to everybody else. You turn to TikTok, you turn to Facebook, you turn to Instagram, you turn to Snapchat, you turn to your friends, you turn to Big Mama, Sugar Mama, everybody. But Jesus. This supernatural life has peace in it, but you won't experience the peace if you keep carrying the stuff you ain't supposed to be carrying. You need to be real with your Savior. You know, when you read through the Psalms, like David, the psalmist, the king, anointed man of God, he was a creative person. And some of you have professions where you're creatives. And if you're creative, you use your soul for different purposes than most of us do, and you're very in touch with parts of your soul, which leads you to success in some areas and challenges in others. But if you don't manage your soul correctly in the creative arena, it'll be open for Satan to abuse you. And so look through the Psalms. Look at how David started some of these Psalms. He'd be starting a place, well, I wish I was dying. I wish I was gone. Why am I existing? Why? Like he started in some very low places. But by the time he got to the end, there was praise. By the time he got to the end, there was victory. See, the thing is, we think faith is ignoring our problems. We think faith is being fake. Going into the presence of God saying, God, there's nothing wrong with me today. I am good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hiya. Oh, I felt something. You can go in like that and leave just like that and get nothing. And we say we believe the word of faith, but that wasn't the word of faith. That was a word of fake. See, you go in the presence of God, and you acknowledge, this is what's going on with me. This is where I am today. But, Father, I know your word. It says, this is written. It is written this. It is written that. So I choose to believe your word above my emotions above my circumstances, above what the news says, above what's going on in my world. I choose to believe your word. So I won't be down anymore. I choose to be cheerful. I choose to be joyful. Notice that I choose to be bold. I choose to be courageous. I choose to be fearless because I know you and all your promises are yes and amen and I ain't carrying this anymore. That's what faith does. 
You can't just use your faith on the big stuff. You got to use your faith on everything if you're going to successfully deal with the pressures of life. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. Is this helping anybody today? Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is a very familiar passage to most of us. Jesus gives an example, and he interprets it later in the chapter, saying the sower sows the word. And so he gives different types of seeds, seeds sown by the wayside. These are hearts that weren't prepared to receive the word, and so when they hear the word, they don't understand it. And because they don't understand it, they don't grasp onto it, so Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown into their hearts. So that means they heard the word, but they get nothing from it. Then the next group, they heard the word and they receive the word with gladness. That word gladness means a shout. They heard the word, they believed the word, they praised God for it. And what happened? It sprung up. Praise produces. Praise takes what you've heard and calls it to produce. But it says it didn't go deep. It didn't have time to go deep and deal with it. So when it says the sun came out and scorched it, and it withered, meaning there was nothing left of what was actually produced. And Jesus, when he interprets the parable, calls that sun affliction and persecution. Affliction is the same word we looked at, pressure. And persecution is just pressure brought by people. So pressure comes, and if they haven't let the word go down deep, to actually change the way they think and change the way they live and make a lasting impact, that pressure will eradicate everything the Word has produced in their life, and they'll look like a person who never received the Word in the first place. That's what that pressure from the enemy is designed to do. And Jesus says the enemy brings that pressure. So a lot of people say, oh, the storm came to make me strong. No, the storm came to take you out. There's other ways to become strong. That storm came to erase the word from your life. And so let's skip down to chapter 5. Because Mark 4 reveals Satan's five tactics. Affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. Those are the five things Satan uses. They're all tactics of temptation and deceit. And his main thing to remove the word from your life is pressure. Mark chapter, well, before we go to Mark chapter 5, let's look at the end of Mark chapter 4. Verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Let's go to the other side. And when they had sent the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also other little ships. And there arose, that word arose means it came out of nowhere. Now I think it's, a number of the four of the guys, at least on this boat, were fishermen. They're familiar with weather patterns. If it was going to be a storm, they would have said something. So this means it's a storm they didn't expect. Anybody ever ran into a storm that you didn't expect before? It came out of nowhere. And notice, it arose a great storm of wind. It did not say it's raining. It didn't say there's thunder. It didn't say there's lightning. What is this? an invisible storm. 
Come on, we're used to Georgia storms, but we're going to hear something first. We're going to hear some thunder, some lightning, some rain. We know it's storming here in Georgia. This is an invisible storm that came out of nowhere. Notice what it says next. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. What happens when a boat is full of water? What happens when a boat is full of water? Yet they were still going to the other side. Don't miss the miracle because of the mess. It could be messy right now. It could be chaotic right now. It could be a circus right now. It could be a windstorm right now, but you're still going to the other side. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. You're going to the other side. No matter what shows up, you are still going to the other side. And Jesus was in the back part of the ship asleep on a pillow, and they woke him up. Now, you know they weren't gentle waking him up. Jesus, teacher, you, you know that's not what they're doing. Wake up! Don't you care that we are about to die? Don't you care about us anymore? Notice what the pressure did. The pressure caused them to question the care of Jesus. So it says Jesus gets up says he rebukes the wind. He spoke to the root of the issue. He constrained and restrained the root of the issue. And then he spoke to the sea and says, peace be still. That word for peace means hush. Or another translation went, shh, calm that down. And then it says there was a great calm. Another translation says the sea became still as glass, meaning as quickly as the storm showed up is as quickly as it left. Now, when you get to Mark chapter 5, you realize the storm wasn't a natural storm. This was a storm inspired by demons. Because when you see Mark chapter 5, you see there's a demoniac who is possessed by thousands of devils, and the chief one is named Legion. And he kept the whole region in fear. Jesus was going to the other side because he has the commission of his father. He's about to bring healing and deliverance. The enemy did not want him to get into this new territory. Because we also understand this new territory was also a majority Gentile territory. It was the region of the ten cities. It's Decapolis. It's a region known for his worship of the emperor and all the different Greco-Roman gods. Satan didn't want him there. So he stirred up this storm. Sometimes storms show up because you're about to go into a new territory. And Satan is willing to do everything he can to stop you from going into your future. But you have to follow the example of Jesus. He spoke to the wind. He used his authority. And then he spoke to the situation and says, calm down. But then after that, he looked at his disciples and he said, why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? Make it personal. Remember, he's talking to the 12. Where is your faith? Meaning, I fully expected you to deal with it. 
You know, I have a question. Have you forgotten who's in your boat? You're going through a storm, and now you're freaking out, screaming and crying. Have you forgotten who's in the boat with you? Have you forgotten what he's taught you? Because Jesus just taught the Mark chapter 4 about how pressure comes to eradicate the word. Jesus expected them to deal with this pressure, yet they didn't. They panicked. They were full of fear. And Jesus says, where's your faith? I believe he's asking some of you today is, where is your faith? Have you forgotten what I've taught you? Have you forgotten that I'm with you? See, there's benefits for Jesus being in your boat. Come on, you remember the story in the early part of the Gospels when Jesus got on the boat to teach the people who got into Peter's boat? And Peter had a rough night. He wasn't able to gather all the fish, gather any fish at all. But because he gave his boat to Jesus, Jesus now cast your nets for a catch. And Peter's like, look, look, teacher, preacher, look. You know Bible, I know fish. But to humor you, sir, preacher, reverend, I'm going to cast my net. Because you don't realize how long it takes to clean these nets. While you've been preaching a long time, I've been cleaning all these nets. It takes a long time, preacher. But I'm going to cast a net. Probably not the best net. And what, he had a net-breaking load of fish. Net breaking isn't a good thing. Why? Because every fish represents money. If it breaks and fish goes out, that's money swimming away. Now, he had a large harvest, but he missed out on some because of his not full obedience. But the benefit came because he let Jesus in his boat. You've allowed Jesus in your life. Let him be him. I said, let him be him. Don't forget that he's with you. He has some great catches for you to bring in. He has ways for you to deal with this pressure in life where you can go through storms and on the other side get paid. Because remember in Mark 4 and Mark 5, after he gets to the storm and he delivers the demoniac, not only is that man delivered, but that whole region hears the testimony of the compassion of Jesus. And the next time Jesus comes there, they meet him at the dock, bringing him a hard case, leaving praise, and he does all things well. A whole region was set free because they went through the storm. Somebody else's deliverance is on the other side of your storm. Not every attack is about you. So don't take it personal. Just keep pressing. Because you staying faithful, you dealing with every day, you talking to Jesus every day, and doing the things you know to do exerts more force than the pressures of this life. Let me begin to bring this to a close. Let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Matthew 26.
Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with them, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Notice Jesus went to Gethsemane. Say Gethsemane. And when he gets there, he tells eight of the disciples, you stay here and you pray. And then he takes Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, his crew, his friends, and he opens up to them. The Savior of the world, the Son of God, is opening up to Peter, James, and John. He said, my soul is distressed. I am under pressure. Pressure that's making my soul to the point of death. Notice, Jesus was fully aware of his emotions. And he expressed it to his community. And he asked them to pray. See, you're not supposed to go through stuff by yourself. If Jesus could open up and tell others to pray for him, so can you. But notice Jesus doesn't stop there. He then went and prayed for himself. And as he was praying, he said he committed himself to the will of God. It's the prayer of commitment. So God, no matter what, I'm going to do what you want me to do. If there's another way, I am open to that way. But no matter what, your will be done. Jesus is struggling right now. He's struggling. He's under great amounts of pressure. He knows his friend Judas just betrayed him. He knows what is coming. He knows what he's about to endure. He's under soul-breaking pressure. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine 39 says it this way. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. You know, one of the things Jesus did go back to the disciples and found them asleep. And the thing was, they weren't asleep because they were just tired. One translation says they were exhausted from grief. Have you ever been exhausted from grief? What were they grieved about? Jesus kept telling them, I'm about to die. I'm going to die. And one of you is going to betray me. Peter, you're going to deny me. All of you are going to leave me. They are exhausted from grief. They are exhausted 
from sorrow, yet Jesus is modeling this is how you deal with that exhaustion. You come before your Father. You commit yourself to the plan of God, and you ask for his help. This is what Jesus did. You read John 17, more of what he prayed. Pray, Father, glorify me. Father, do this. I pray for me, but I pray for these who are with me. Then I pray for all those who believe because of what they say. His prayer started with him, but it didn't end with him. Although he was under pressure, he didn't just pray for himself. He prayed for himself. Then he prayed for his community, his crew, and then he prayed for you. See, under pressure, yes, you need to pray for yourself, but you also need to pray for others. Jesus kept going to the disciples, said, y'all sleep again? He says, watch and pray. That means stay alert. And if they're exhausted from grief, think about it. He told them to watch and pray. So you have to be alert about multiple things going on in this world, but also be alert of your own emotional condition. Because if you're just walking around exhausted from grief, exhausted for everything that's happened in this nation over the last two plus years, you can keep carrying around this bag and not go forward on what God has for you. You have to be aware of your emotions. You're not yielding to your emotions. You're not led by your emotions, but you are aware of them and you submit them to the will of God. And notice Jesus prayed this way, an angel strengthened him. Just like when he was in the desert, an angel came and strengthened him. If you make this consistently turning to Jesus when you're going through, you will receive strengthening from God as well. And you know what's interesting to me? This is all going on in Gethsemane. Say Gethsemane. You know, it's at the bottom of the Mount of Olives, and Gethsemane just means an oil press. And so what would happen is they would take the olives and they would press it and oil would flow. You see, the pressure doesn't come to make you strong. The pressure comes to take you out. But a correct response to pressure can reveal the good things God has put on the inside of you. Just like pressure reveals the oil that flows from the olive, if you respond correctly to the pressures of this life, you can have a fresh anointing. You can have fresh oil. You can have fresh revelation, fresh confidence, fresh hope that every good thing God's put on the inside of you begins to flow out. And you begin to realize the glory that God's put on the inside of you is weightier than the pressures of this life. The correct response to pressure will bring maturity and fresh anointing. The wrong response to pressure will bring immaturity. But I also want you to notice that you can make the right response to pressure, but not deal with your emotions. And instead of being matured, you just age. Instead of maturing, how many of us have aged instead? So when things happen, it's like, well, you know, that's just what happens, you know. When you age, you don't have a lot of hope. But when you're mature, you know, you have hope. That yes, this happened, but yes, it'll turn for my good. God has called you to mature, not to be aged in your soul and your emotions. He calls for maturity, not hopelessness. Maturity 
not bitterness. Maturity, not despair. That no matter what pressure shows up, you know, I'm on the winning side. Yep, if it showed up, that means I can handle it. Yeah, it's annoying, but I'm going to win. Although I walk through the valley. I'm not building a resort here. I'm walking through the valley. I'm not stopping. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because you are with me. I remember you're in the boat with me. I remember that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. I remember you are God present. I remember you'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I choose to be content in this situation knowing it is going to change. That this affliction, this pressure is light and it is temporary. If I can see it, it is subject to change. And while I walk with him, I remember Psalm 23 also says, he restores my soul. He restores my mind. He restores my emotions. He restores my will. Oh, no, you won't break my soul because I got a shepherd. And he's with me. And he's my shepherd, therefore I shall not lack. Yes, there may be a recession, but I got a shepherd. I shall not lack. He restores my soul. I won't fear. In the midst of the pressure, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He made a feast for you that you can kick back and enjoy in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the enemy, in the midst of the darkness. You can enjoy the feast of God. And while you're at that table, he anoints your head with oil, fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh power. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The pressure is not going to make me to leave. The pressure can't get me to leave where God has assigned me. The pressure can't get me to leave God's house. The pressure can't get me to leave God's plan for my life. For those that says in Psalm 92 who are planted, flourish. The pressure tries to make you uproot yourself. Don't let the pressure uproot you. Stay planted in the midst of the pressures of life. You stay planted, you will flourish. It even says in Psalm 92, you will bear fruit into your old age. Old age. Come on, you want to be so old that the Bible calls you old. You don't give up. You keep bearing fruit until you said, Jesus, I'm ready to go. When you're good and old, full of age, 120, I'm ready to go now. I've produced all my life. You don't quit. You don't stop. You take up the mentality, I will not be defeated and I will not quit. 
I'm not going to back up because of the pressure. I'm not going to give up because of the pressure. I'm not going to give in because of the pressure. I'm going to apply some pressure of my own. I'm going to apply the pressure of my faith, the pressure of my confession, the pressure of my love, the pressure of my giving, the pressure of me standing where God told me to stand. Stand, and having done all, stand. What do I do next? Stand, having done all, stand. We're not quitters. We're not those who give in to the pressures of this time. We're not those who back away. We are those of faith who press on. Remember Paul said we press toward the mark. So that means there's something that's going to resist you. There's pressure resisting you, but what you have overcomes the pressure. You press toward the mark of the high calling of the anointed one, Jesus and his anointing. Don't give up because of the pressure. Pressure is a part of life. But when you go through the test, there's promotion on the other side. When he get through the pressure, there's fresh oil on the other side. When he get through the pressure, there's recompense. Because the scripture says, if the thief be pound, found, he has to pay up double. Then another scripture says he has to pay up seven times and the substance of his house. So you're going to go through and make a demand with the authority you have in Christ. I command my recompense. I command my mourning. I command my restoration. I command this changing for my good. I restrain the wind and I tell that sea, shh, calm that down. Press. Don't give up. It's time to press. Your finest hour is here. It's time to press. Don't give up now. It's time to press. For with God, all things are possible. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Ooh. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus forevermore. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah forevermore. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the victory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the victory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the victory. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah.
We thank you for the victory. We thank you for the victory. Hallelujah. We thank you for that fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. To stand in the places we're called to stand. To occupy the places we're called to occupy. To go into the places you called us to go. That fresh empowerment from the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I hear the Spirit say, press, press, press. This is not the time for you to give up. And it's not the time for you to press in your own might. But you press through me, the one who gives you strength. You press because I give you strength through relationship. I give you strength by you spending time in my word. It is time for you to press. Some of the things you've been facing are directly correlated to the enemy stopping you from getting to where I called you to be. So don't quit now. Yes, he's thrown everything at you, including the kitchen sink, but don't stop now. There is great victory for you if you would just press just a little bit longer. Press, 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 press. Because what I have for you is greater than what you've experienced before. And once you get there, you'll look back at the pressure you pushed through and say, oh, that was nothing. I'm so glad I didn't give up. I'm so glad I didn't quit. So press, press, press. What I have for you is worth the press. There's another tongue. If you have it, go ahead and give it. The plan is great. The plan is marvelous. The plan is full of glory. The plan is empowered by my blessing. It is a plan that causes you, if you saw all the pieces of it, you would stand back in awe. The plan is wonderful, so don't give up now. The plan is worth the press. So double down on doing the will of God. Recommit yourself to fulfilling the plan of God. Do what I've called you to do. 
and take time every day to stand before me and pray. And throughout the day, turn to me and I'll direct you and I will guide you and I'll lead you in the way that you should go. What I have for you is wonderful. What I have for you is marvelous. But the best part is, it's not just for you. It will also influence the places you go. It influence the people you know. It influence the places where you live. It will influence the places where you work. Well, many will turn and worship my son because you decided to press through the attack of the enemy and you decided to stay with the plan of God. So keep pressing, stay committed and watch the wonderful things I have for you. Glory to God. Now I know that this is answered prayer for all of us. It is very important that we do what it is that we heard, you know, in the message. Listen to it if you need to, but it's very, very important that you apply it. You know, when you were doing the example with the backpack, it made me think about the time we were at Oral Roberts University and we were checking out of the dorms. Now, if any of you remember with college dorms, you have like, uh, you know, a short window of time to move everything out of your room, right? You have to patch up any holes that you put in the walls and get everything out. Now, that time period for us, at least when we were graduating, was very short. Finals happened, graduation happened, and you needed to be out. And at our school, if you weren't out on time, I think you were fined. So I'm pretty sure there was like a, a mon you know, a monetary fee that we had to pay for being late. And if any of you remember how college went, you did not want to pay any extra money for anything, right? You were already paying for books and tuitions and everything up under the sun. Now I had this wonderful, uh, uh, let's just say, doormate, and. As we were moving all of our stuff, families, I lived in an all-girls dorm, families were there helping their kids. You know, it was tiresome, it is. We all know moving is hard. And we had to move fast, it was tiresome, it really was. We were so close to being done. And um, I mean, we were so close, you guys. Like, our room was packed up, we had everything in bags. We literally were in the lobby. We just needed to walk through the doors, right? And my, my, my um, roommate at the time realized that the pressure was just a little bit too much for her at that moment. She literally dropped all her stuff. And she had, I don't know why she had so much. She dropped everything. She threw her hands up, and in the middle of that lobby in front of everybody here at that dorm, she yelled, I'm not carrying not now another thing. And that's exactly what she said. And then she walked all the way out of the dorm and she did not come back. Now she did eventually get her stuff, but not because she came back. Somebody brought it to her because again, she had decided and she was very firm in her decision that she was not touching, not now, another thing. Now, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I really didn't. I apologize to the families behind us because now they couldn't get out the elevator because it was a whole bunch of stuff. I had to carry my own. I really 
don't think I could carry hers, but again, it did work itself out. So what I am not recommending is that you leave any of your personal belongings anywhere. You do need to actually take care of your own stuff, but when it comes to casting your cares on the Lord, we need to be just as serious, sometimes just as ignorant, adamant, <laughs> and we need to leave it there because these, we weren't designed to carry, you weren't designed to carry what it is that you have been trying to carry for the entire year of 2022. You aren't supposed to be doing that. You aren't supposed to be doing that. So you need to cast those cares on the Lord, understanding that he cares about every single detail. And he will not forget you. He will never forsake you. And like Pastor Carrick said, like we heard from the pulpit, his plans for you, oh my gosh, wonderful does not describe them. And all you need to do is what he's asking of you. And on today, part of that was basically, uh, uh, it's a lot. And we need to do everything we heard in message. You need to, to, you need to apply what it is that you're hearing. But you need to cast your cares on him. Don't carry this every day. You're not supposed to. You need to choose to cast it on the Lord. Do not pick it back up. Not nay another thing. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it strengthens you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles. God bless.